What's going on, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. Um, I'm shot. I've been running around all day. I never had time to record until now, and it's like 4 o'clock. So honestly, I'm just going to talk and then <laughs> upload it. So if there are pauses or a lot of ums because of whatever, or I, I don't know, if there's just weird things going on... I, it's, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And I don't get paid for this. So it's like, you know, I try to be as professional as possible. But I, I wish I could skip this week. But so much has actually just happened. Like, if I, I had recorded and uploaded earlier in the day, I wouldn't have get. I wouldn't have gotten to talk about what's going on right now. And the two big things that have happened in the past... Uh, I'll say two hours are Zach Wheeler. It's it's baseball related. So Zach Wheeler, uh, he was a free agent for the Mets. There were a lot of reports that the white he was going to the White Sox, and the White Sox offered him this mega deal worth you know five years, six years, whatever it was, and over like 150 million or something like that. Like a crazy contract, and now. It was reported that he's signing with the Phillies for five years, over a hundred million dollars. I think it was uh, the specific number was one eighteen. And there's been a, a weird thing. I don't know. It's so the report was from the Mets. I think it was Mike Puma. Um, he reported that Wheeler, or it was reported that Wheeler accepted the offer from the Phillies only after they circled back uh, to the Mets to see if they were going to offer him anything, and they never offered him a contract. So they had no intentions of re-signing him, which brings you back to the regular season, and it's like, you know, why didn't you just trade him if you had no intentions of signing him? There makes no sense. You trade, you trade for Stroman, and you trade two good young pitchers for Stroman, and then you lose Wheeler for nothing, when you could have just kept Wheeler, kept your prospects, because you didn't really need Stroman, I, I guessed. I don't know. I, I, I guess you you trade Strom, you trade for Stroman because you knew you were gonna lose Wheeler. But why not just trade Wheeler? It, it doesn't make any sense. No, no matter which way you slice it, it makes absolutely no sense. Um, but anyway, the White Sox, you got to feel for them at some point. Um, last year. They had a big, a big deal to do with uh, with Manny Machado, and they thought they were landing him, and he was going to go to the White Sox. It definitely seemed like that for quite some time, and then he turns around and signs with the Padres. Zach Wheeler reportedly he was going to accept the deal with the White Sox, but the deal breaker was that his wife is from New Jersey, and. The proximity with from Philly with Jersey is was the deal breaker. He wanted to stay on the East Coast, which is why he wanted to stay in New York. Make no mistake about it, Zach Wheeler, he wanted to stay in New York. He wanted to be on that team. The Mets never even offered him a contract. So he walks, he goes to the division rival, Phillies, and I mean that's that's a lose lose situation for the Mets. Not only do you lose a pitcher who for the past couple years has shown that he is a bright young star in the league and he's a he could be a dominant pitcher 
but he walks and goes to your division rival. Suddenly, Joe Girardi has a lot to work with, right? Now, probably that would have been the biggest news in baseball today had not 20 minutes ago before I started recording the news about the Wilpons broke. So Jeff Payson for ESPN, however you say his last name, I really don't know. Passan, Payson, Passan, whatever. Statement by Sterling Partners and Cohen Private Ventures. The Sterling Partners and Steve Cohen are negotiating an agreement in which Steve Cohen would increase his investment in the New York Mets. As part of that agreement, Fred Wilpon will remain in the role of the control person and CEO for five years, and Jeff Wilpon will remain in his role of chief operating officer for the five-year period as well. Steve Cohen will continue as CEO and president of Point72 Asset Management, and his stake in the Mets will continue to be managed by his family office, Cohen Private Ventures. Now, the long version of that is that the Wilpons are selling. They're selling, I think, I saw a number, it was like 80% of their stock or their, whatever, their investment, I guess, however it is. Um, and then it'll see, it seems like the Wilpons reign will come to an end in 2025. That seems to be when they'll give over controlling uh, percentage of the Mets to Steve Cohen. Seems all right to me. I mean, the Mets, they have not gone all in in quite some time. Now, this this also bears the question, just because the Wilpons know that they're here, Bloomberg, uh, Bloomberg at business, the Mets are in talks to sell up to 80% of the team to billionaire Steve Cohen. And Tim Healy for, uh, I think, Newsday writes for the Mets. Uh, minority order Steve Cohen, a Long Island native, is upping his stake in the team according to release by the team. The agreement includes Fred and Jeff Wilpon remaining in the roles for five years. Beyond that, it's not clear. Yeah, it's, it's, it's seeming like right now... Steve Cohen is going to eventually become the majority owner of the New York Mets. And after this five-year period or so, uh, the Wilpons will step down from their positions. Or maybe they'll... Re- I, who knows what they're going to do? Or maybe um, it said that they'll remain in their current positions, but I don't know. I'm unsure if that means that they're going to keep their stakes like I don't know how long the the reports haven't come out yet as far as how long the Wilpons remain in complete control of the Mets like they are right now uh maybe after well after this five-year period it's unclear after this five-year period it's unclear but then for so for this five-year period I don't know when that transfer of ownership to Steve Cohen is going to take place but that'll be interesting to uh, to keep an eye out on. I mean, that easily takes the top spot as 
Um, most interesting sports news of the day, for sure, without a question. The Wilpons have been, since, what was it, like, 03? They bought out uh, Doubleday. I think it was his name's Abner Doubleday. I, I could be completely wrong on that. His last name was Doubleday, for sure. But they bought him out of his share of the Mets, which gave the Wilpons complete control. And they have made, aside from a few glimmering spots where they really decided to go all in and trying to win, they've been just putting on um, a facade for the fans. And now, I mean, over the past few years, it's very evident that all the Mets fans, they see through the lies of the Wilpons. No one believes what they try to do anymore. No one be- any GM that's in place, they don't trust them. They don't trust any managers. Now, I'll try and break it down as quick as possible. So the Mets, the Wilpons went, I guess you could say all in, around 04, 05. Right? They signed Beltron. They signed Delgado. Uh, They got a a, a couple other players in there probably that really helped. They had two farm system guys coming up into their system, David Wright and Jose Reyes, who were absolutely electric together. And that those four guys propelled that team for quite some time, right? They signed guys like Billy Wagner, trying to show that the fans that they were serious about competing. They have a, str- a streak of success, right? 06, 05, they do pretty well. 06, they go to the championship series. 07, collapse. 08, collapse. Not great. It starts to unwind rather quickly. And then somehow, after just being, you know, the Mets were mediocre, mediocre for years. And then somehow, some way, they find themselves in the World Series in 2015. And that was probably the worst thing to happen to the Mets fans. Cause and the best thing to happen to the Wilpons. Because you have this team where you weren't expected to do much of anything. You make a late push. Get into the playoffs. You win the wild card game. You win the division series. You win the the championship series. You sweep the championship series against the Chicago Cubs. And then you lose to the Royals in which you were leading for about 75% of the entire series and lost in whatever it was, five games. Not great. So not only do you have this team that made it to the World Series, you have a great pitch, a great young pitching staff and a, a huge market. The, and all these pitchers, all these young good pitchers are under contract for a couple more years before you have to start paying them. DeGrom obviously already got paid. Wheeler now, as we know, left. He didn't get he didn't get paid by the Mets. He got paid by the Phillies. So you would s- suspect that 
your team would go out and try and sign a couple guys to further bolster their lineup, bullpen, whatever have you, and make a push, make try to make a deep playoff push again. That doesn't happen. Instead, you more or less keep the same team. You get riddled with injuries year in and year out. The one big contract you hand out is to a guy named Jonas Cespedes. I don't know if you guys remember him, but I'm sure every Met fan does. And that's the last big contract you gave out since Wright and Delgado. It's like a decade of not handing out big money contracts to big money free agents. I actually spoke too soon. Jason Bay, of course, was another one. So since the mid-2000s, there have been two, maybe three big contracts that the Wilpons have handed out, and they've all gone poorly. Jason Bay has a career year in Boston, signs with the Mets. Awful. Historically bad. Same thing with Cespedes. Has a great string of, of a few seasons. He goes, bounces around from uh, the A's, the Red Sox, and the Tigers, now then now with the Mets. He helps you onto that World Series run. And then he gets injured, battling injuries, battling injuries. The next year, gets injured again while rehabbing, hurts himself again in his ranch in Port St. Lucie. He gets double heel surgery. And if now he's he's not young. I think Suspedes is already like 31, 32 years old. If you remember one other person who happened to sign with the Yankees coming into this year, Troy Tulowitzki, before he retired, he had double heel surgery as well. And he was never the same. He had problems, major, major problems. His career was cut short by injuries. Now, best case scenario, that doesn't happen to Cespedes, but what can you expect right now, right? Like, it's not looking good for him. We'll see what the change of ownership, ha- how soon it takes place. I don't know. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any reports. Yeah, I mean, yeah, again, I don't know if it's, if, if the Will Ponds are keeping that controlling interest in the team for five more years and then give it up completely and step down, or it's going to be give up controlling interest, keep their positions for the next five years, and then and who knows. Um, yeah, not sure. Anyway, I have an idea about what I'm going to do for those couple weeks where... Uh, the back-to-back Wednesdays are Christmas and then New Year's Day. For Christmas, I don't think I'm going to do anything because it's Christmas. Uh, New Year's Eve, I'll probably put out, or a couple of days before New Year's Eve, whatever, December 30th. Uh, I'll put out, I'm going to write a list, compile a list of uh, best albums of the decade, and it's not going to be completely objective, obviously, because music in itself is subjective, you know. But I'll, I'll try and do it as best I can. I, I'm trying to base it off of critical acclaim, like whether they want the albums won awards or not. 
replay value if you go back and listen to it does the music hold up do you still like the songs or was it just a product of the time uh, I have I have a list of about 40 albums right now um it's a lot I'm probably gonna narrow it down to I was gonna do 10 but 10 seems like too little and I have a lot so I might do 20. Maybe 25, we'll see. Uh, and then a couple of like honorable mentions or whatever. But that's something, I'll, I'll probably do that just to uh, have some content out there. But just wanted to give a little update for that. Uh, as for football, I'll, I'll talk football quick and then probably wrap it up because, again, I'm, just, I'm like shot. So, uh, first off, I would like to address an apology to Mike Tomlin. So, I said probably at the beginning of the season and I've told my friends I haven't told my friends I'm, I'm apologizing yet <laughs> but I criticized Mike Tomlin heavily he I thought he was a coach who has probably overstayed his welcome in Pittsburgh yeah I, I, I just I thought it was time for him to be let go and he has completely proven everybody wrong the Steelers with their defense, continue to win games, and also they are now on their third-string QB because Mason Rudolph is awful. Uh, Duck Hodges, Devlin Hodges, is in as their starting quarterback. So they're just throwing whoever back there. doesn't matter if it's Hodges or Rudolph. And they're winning football games. I think they're 7-5 and five now. They just beat the Browns pretty badly. And... Mike Tomlin's probably going to win Coach of the Year. I mean, I, I don't see how he doesn't win Coach of the Year. Maybe. Maybe John Harbaugh wins. Just because of the huge leap that Lamar Jackson has taken. Now, I know Lamar Jackson did well at the end of, the la of, the end of regular season last year. And then he ended up getting completely exposed in the playoffs by the Chargers. But... The leap that he has made as an NFL player this year compared to last year is pretty huge. He went from being a guy who he makes a lot of cool plays. You know, he runs runs around, makes people miss, not the best thrower, clearly was the blind spot in his game last year. Now he's making the throws as well as making these highlight reel kind of plays with his feet. And he's probably the front runner for the MVP right now. I would say it's him and Russell Wilson. And it's close. It's probably one of the closest MVP races we've had in a, a few years. Uh, a couple years ago, it was Brady or Wentz, and then Wentz got hurt. So it was obviously going to be Brady. Last year, it was Mahomes, runaway, the Chiefs. In general, were just amazing. Runaway pick for MVP, Mahomes was. This year, it's a little different. You have a lot of guys who you can consider. If you want to go beyond quarterbacks, well, you have Jackson, you have Russell Wilson, and if you want to throw Deshaun Watson in there, you certainly can. Uh, I personally wouldn't just because uh, he got beat so bad by... Well, I don't know. 
It's a tough call. I was going to say they got beat so bad by the Ravens that it wasn't even close. But the Ravens also got blown out by the Browns, and the Browns stink. So, you know, it is what it is. That's early in the season, but still. So I guess you could, you could throw Deshaun Watson in there. And as for position players, Michael Thomas is having an incredible year, as is Christian McCaffrey. Now, a wide receiver's never won the MVP award and probably never will, unfortunately, because when you have a wide receiver who's going off, normally you have a quarterback who's also going off. Drew Brees has been out a couple games. Michael Thomas has been, still been putting up numbers. However, when you have two other QBs that are doing what they're doing with Wilson and Jackson, the wide receiver's kind of out of position, out of contention. McCaffrey, on the other hand, I, I, I don't know what the criteria. I guess you have to like easily rush over for two over two thousand yards to win MVP. Twenty something like twenty something touchdowns. However, receiving, running doesn't matter. Break some type of record as a running back to win MVP. Because you were like Chris Johnson ran over for over two thousand yards. He didn't win MVP. It, it the the quarterback. The MVP is a quarterback award, unfortunately. I wish there was some type of change that we could have where it's a little bit more fair. So because you have, you know, the the MVP is mostly a quarterback award and no one else really, at least you have the offensive, right, the AP Offensive Player of the Year award. That goes to wide receivers, running backs, whatever have you, and that's fine. I, I just wish it was a little bit more prominent, right? Like, the MVP is the MVP. I just feel like it's just, it's always a quarterback no matter what. It, it is a, it makes it a little bland, but it is what it is. I mean, there's nothing you can really do about it. I'm sure one of the two guys, uh, Michael Thomas or Christian McCaffrey, will have a much, much, much better chance of winning uh, Offensive Player of the Year award that being said, Lamar Jackson's so electric with his feet that he he might just win that award as well. Right? Mahomes did it last year too. Fun fact, the most offensive player of the year awards goes is tied with Marshall Falk and Earl Campbell. They both have 3. Uh Nick Foles stinks. He's really really bad and he's now benched for Gardner Minshew, once again. So that experiment kind of failed for the Jaguars. A really, really expensive experiment that they just completely wasted time on. Nick Foles has he has a very strange career. He's had a couple really good years. And then, obviously, the magical Super Bowl run he went on. And the run, the next... The subsequent year where he took them to the second round of the playoffs, the Eagles, that is, it just, he thrived in that Philly role, and then he had that one year where he threw, like, two interceptions the entire year and, like, over, twenty, like, what, 27-2, and two, I think it was. And then after that, he was bad. He was so bad, in fact, he was going to retire. And then the Eagles brought him back as a backup. And you know the story from there. So he's had a very up and down career. 
obviously has a Super Bowl ring to show for it, a Super Bowl MVP to show for it. So I don't think he's going to lose any sleep over how he spent his time in the NFL, but it surely is a odd circumstance. I don't think we've ever seen a career quite like Nick Foles. And that's not a bad thing. The Patriots, they got pretty pretty beat up by the Houston Texans. Uh, their offense probably now more than ever is looking like Tom Brady needs help. Now we all know that like Tom, he he's 40 somewhat 42 years old. He can't carry a team like he used to. I mean he never really used to. He always had weapons around him. But now he's on a team for the first time where he doesn't have any real weapon that he can rely on. He lost Gronk. Obviously that is a huge blow. He still has Edelman, but that's not nearly enough. You have no real outside threat. Like, if they had Antonio Brown, it would be electric. Now, I'm not saying sign Antonio Brown, but that is a guy that Brady needs on his team right now. Clear, No one on the Patriots offense can get open when Brady needs them to get open. Right? Like Gronk last year. We kind of sink back into the background. For most of the game. And then he would. Whenever he really wanted to go out and catch. He would explode. Get open. Boom. Brady gets him the ball. Boom. Brady gets him the ball. Boom. 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 Big time yardage. Touchdown Patriots. Saw it in the Chiefs game. In the the championship game. Big Big third down. Patriots need a first down. Right? Third and long. Goes to Gronk. Catch. First down. Goes to Gronk again. Catch. Touchdown. Or whatever it was, close to the touchdown, into the red zone. He was the guy that when Brady needed, when it was third and long, you know Brady's going to Gronk. If they really, really 100% need a first down late in the game, it's third and long, he's going to Gronk. It's happening. Doesn't matter if you double him, it does not matter. He's going to get him the ball in a place where he can only get it, and Gronk is going to make the catch. Brady does not have that. Even before Gronk, he had guys like Randy Moss, right? I said guys like, no one's like Randy Moss. But he had a guy in Randy Moss that he could do he could do that with. They had historic seasons together. And yes, Edelman is a Super Bowl MVP and all that, whatever, but he's not an elite wide receiver. Above average, yes, but he's not a guy where you're doubling him all the time, right? He's like... A, a an elite second option. He's a guy that benefits from having that benefits greatly from having other people around him, other good receivers, a big Hall of Fame tight end. That's how Edelman really thrives and plays his best. When he's on a team where the only one Tom Brady's really in sync with is Edelman. And they don't really have any other guys. They got a lot of inexperienced guys, a lot of young guys, uh, running backs who aren't the best. Serviceable, yes. Sonny Michel is a he's an 
a pretty good running back. He's a serviceable running back. James White's a, a good third down back. He can go out wide, catch the ball. We know this. But they don't have an elite running game. There's nothing that you can really fear from the Patriots offense this year. There's no one person that you fear on the Patriots offense this year other than Tom Brady. And if he doesn't have anyone that you got to really be worried about him getting the ball to, then you can bring that pressure, and he's not going to be able to escape the pocket. Makes it easier. Makes the Patriots' deep offense more one-dimensional. Now, of course, they're still 10-2. and two. They're still a great team with an elite defense. And we've seen teams with sub with average offenses with an aging Hall of Fame all-time quarterback and an elite defense. Cough cough Denver Broncos with Peyton Manning. Same scenario. Two more things before we wrap up. Eli is back most likely. Uh Daniel Jones is expected to miss uh, this next game with a ankle injury. And had it been like game three or four, I'm sure he'd play through it. But considering they're two and ten, and this is week 14, why not just bench your rookie quarterback? I, I really don't have a problem with it. So Eli Manning is going to start, and... To put it into perspective, Eli had an all-time historic consecutive games played. If there's one, th- if you really don't like Eli Manning, right? You you think he's overrated, doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, regardless of his two Super Bowls and historic seasons, whatever. Whatever. You thought he was overrated, threw too many interceptions, turnovers. I don't care. The one thing I think everyone has to unanimously respect is that he played 234 career games and not once missed a game due to injury. That streak that he had, 200 and whatever games it was, actually, was it 234 straight or did he get... mm, no, I think it might have been 234 straight since he took over for uh, Kerry Collins. 234 straight games of starting for the New York Giants. Only to be snapped. Well, not 234 straight. It was probably more like 220 or whatever. Because Ben McAdoo decided to bench him. So over 200 straight games... Without missing an injury, without missing a game because of injury, and only to get benched for one game by his terrible, trash head coach, and then be reinstated into the starting lineup, and not missing a game since then either. The guy lined up under center every game. And that's something you have to respect because a lot of guys can't do that now. A lot of guys can't do that now. Star franchise quarterbacks are missing weeks at a time because of injuries. Saw it with the Bears this year with Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky sucks, but that's besides the point. It's hard. It's a difficult thing to do. And 11 games into his career, Daniel Jones is sitting out with an injury. Puts things into perspective. 
And the last thing I want to get to is Ron Rivera. The Carolina Panthers relieved Ron Rivera of his head coaching duties the other day. Kind of a move you saw coming. I feel bad. He was there for nine years, went to a Super Bowl, turned that franchise from nothing to something, right? The the Panthers were so goddamn bad for such a long time. And Ron Rivera took Cam Newton and that defense, and he made them into a winning football team. He's a good head coach. No doubt about that. I kind of understand where the Panthers are coming from. Rivera's gone. Now Rivera's gone. Cam's been injured for a while. This season, really. he's He hasn't really been injured since the second half of last year where he played through injury, fucked himself up even more. And now this year, we see the ramifications of making that decision. Who knows if he's going to be back. The Panthers might part ways with him. Is, is Kyle, Al- Kyle Allen won his first... Five games starting, whatever it was. He was 5-0, 4-0. Now, coming back down to earth a little bit, Panthers can't seem to get on track. Losing a couple in a row. Losing to the Washington Redskins this week was not great. Not a good look. Probably was the last straw for Rivera. It, it was. It's tough to see what direction they go in now. Do you bring back Cam Newton with a brand new head coach? Doesn't really seem likely to me to be honest I mean if you're gonna bring back Cam Newton why not just keep Ron Rivera and then you just try and run it back next year now it seems more like Rivera's gone Newton's next and they're gonna try and turn over the franchise to new people fresh faces who knows? We'll we'll have to wait and see. But Ron Rivera, please come coach the New York Giants. Pat Shermer needs to go. He is terrible. I mean, really bad. The guy just does not know how to be an NFL head coach. Daniel Jones, he looks lost in the offense. Saquon Barkley is literally useless. And that's not his fault. I'm not blaming Saquon Barkley for the record. But, I mean, they just, they need to figure it out. And I know I've been saying, now I'm, I'm kind of, I'm done with football now. But that was my last thing. Please, Ron Rivera, come coach the New York Giants. Uh, I know I said, I think it was a couple weeks ago. Um, and I forgot to tweet out last week's episode. But it's definitely, it's up there. Um, but, what was it? Um... Oh, I, I know I said I was going to give Grammy nomination breakdowns, but again, I'm just, I'm so tired. Uh, I might do it next weekend before I go on, or next week before I go on vacation. Um, Is it next week? Or I have two weeks? Two weeks. So I might do it the 18th. I might, I might do that for Wednesday the 18th when I put out that episode. Uh, but for now... That'll wrap it up for this episode of From My Point of View. Thank you all for listening. We had some some good stuff happen today in the world of baseball. So we'll see what happens 
bet your ass they'll be keeping a close eye on uh on the Will Ponds and what their ownership in the Mets is, as everyone else should, because that is a huge deal in sports, whether you like baseball or not. So thank you guys all for listening. I'll talk to you all next week.